spring is here, and I don't know how many gardeners we have here, but almost everybody knows, almost everybody knows what I do for a living. I do uh, lawn care, a little bit of landscaping now, kind of backed off on that. Every year in spring, you go around and you're looking for growth, you know. It's a new season, and each week, or each day really, but each week as I'm going around my property, I can watch those plants come up, yeah. the ones that, uh, you know, are perennials. Um, and the annuals whenever you plant them, you know, most of them are already have a little bit of growth to them, but you can just watch day by day, week by week, the maturity of that growth. And that's, it's the same way with God. I mean, God's got a plan for us yeah. in, in our growth, but uh, He waters us. Yes. He shows us what we need to uh, be fertilized. Yeah. And, you know, whenever we're out and about, you know, we need to be that water, that ray of sun down on everybody that we, we come in contact with. Amen. Because, you know, God wants us to be as much like Him as we can. Yeah. And in order to do that, we got to walk daily in the light of God and yes, His glory. Thank you, Jesus. And, you know, by the grace of God, you know, we stumble. Yeah. Just like plants, you know, if right. they go a little bit without uh, water, right. you know, that they kind of wither. Yeah. Same way with us. Mm-hmm. If we draw away from God right. a day or two, even a day without prayer or anything, yeah. yes. at least for me, I, I can notice it, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's good. I, I start to change. Yeah. My mind starts to change. My mind starts to wander. wander. But uh, as we worship today, you know, if we just think about the growth that's going on outside yes. and how that growth happens, which is through Jesus Christ. Have you ever found yourself wondering if there is more to life than your current circumstance? Perhaps you're stuck in a rut of mundane, unsure of where you belong. Maybe you feel bound by chains of poor decision making, feeling lost, but brave enough to consider what if there's more to life than this? Hi, I'm Cindy Linton, and I want to welcome you to the church. My husband, Josh, and I are pastors of a growing congregation of people gathering together in normal Illinois. People who have found the answer to this question is a yes and are committed to joining together in an effort to honor God, love people, and discover truth. Thank you for joining us today. I'm going to start a three-week series today. I think you're going to love the title. Um, I didn't make it up. I just found the title, and I just went with it. But this is going to lead us into Pentecost Sunday. Yes, amen. Pentecost Sunday, in my my opinion, should be celebrated just as much as Christmas and Easter. And and we we should really celebrate and go all out. So so I'm hoping if you've got some friends, if you know some people, that you're going to invite them to Pentecost Sunday because we are a spirit-filled people. (laughs) We are a people that believe in baptism in Jesus' name, but we are a people that believe in talking in tongues. We are people that believe in the Holy Spirit being poured out with the evidence of tongues. We are people that believe that, and there isn't a more time of day and hour that we need to be people that walk in the Spirit of God. I don't know if you look at the climate and the circumstances going on around, but man, I don't want to be confused in this hour. I don't want to be caught on the wrong side. And the only way that we know what side we're going to be on, it's God's side and it's the world's side. And we need His Spirit to be leading us to know. I think the scripture is that my sheep will know my name. That's 
That's right. And I want to make sure that I know that I know that I know. And we right. talked about yeah. this before. I want. I don't want to just think that I'm getting through. So Pentecost Sunday is June 5th this year, and, and I want to celebrate it. And I want to have the outpouring of God's Spirit right here yes. in Amen. this chiropractor yes. office. Amen. I want to be in prayer for that just Amen. as much as I want to be in prayer for that building. Amen. Amen? Yes. I want to see a move of God. That's how we're going to establish and we're going to make headway in our community by the Spirit of God going before us. So, are you with me on that? Yes. So, before we get there, I want to preach this series and it's called, What Floats Your Boat? <laughs> what Floats Your Boat? There it is. I found it. I found it on Igniter. I said, oh, that's awesome. That's going to work perfectly. Because the term means, what do you do that brings you joy? It's the idea of doing whatever we feel like doing. Now that just seems wrong for a preacher to preach, do whatever you feel like doing, and it is. So I'm not going to preach about doing whatever you feel like doing. I'm going to preach today so that we can learn how to do what God wants us to do. God-given principles that if we do them and follow them, we won't have to feel joy. We won't have to feel peace. That God will provide those things in our life and He will provide them in abundance. The spirit of do what floats your boat is the same spirit as you do you. And I don't know if you've tasted the climate lately, but it's pretty well full of you do you. God did not free us from worldly bondage and captivity just for us to wander back right. into it. He literally said, I'm going to send you a comforter. Yes. And that's why we're taking this series and going to lead us in because we're going to follow the Spirit all the way to where God is going to pour it out and fill us with His Spirit. He freed us so that we can avoid the snares and perils and pitfalls in this life, I'm preaching against conforming. I'm preaching against conforming yeah. to this world. And I'm preaching what Paul said in Romans 12 and 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that, they, that you may yeah. prove what is good and acceptable and a perfect will of God. That's what I want to preach this series about. I don't want to preach it about whatever floats your boat. Because honestly, whatever floats your boat, sometimes things are going to go along. He opened beautifully. The grass sometimes isn't going to look green and your boat might not want to be floated that day. But as long as God is in charge, our boat is always going to be floating if you'd allow me to say that. But there's got to be a renewing of this. We're all about mental health these days. We're all about it. And we want to have clinics and we want to have classes and I think we should. But really, if we would just allow God to renew our mind, all that anxiety, all that stuff, all that fear, all that would be cast away because our mind would be in the Lord. Our mind would be on God. Is there anybody here today that wants to renew their mind? Yes. I want to renew Amen. my mind. <laughs> you get stuff in there. I just want to be renewed. Yes. I can picture it as a church, a body of believers so transformed and renewed from Christ that no matter what's going on around, that we're marching. We're marching in one direction towards the kingdom. We're marching in joy that people look at us and go, don't you see what's going on around? And we say, all as all, all we see is Jesus right, Christ yeah. because that's yeah. where I'm going. I see a church that's with a renewed mind that's a small body right now, yeah. but it's growing and growing yeah. and growing yeah. because they're attaching to people that are saying, how are you able to do what you're doing? How, don't you see all the problems? And I say, I don't see all the problems. My mind has been set on Christ. Yeah. My yeah. mind has been renewed in the kingdom. My mind has joy and peace and love and that's the way I operate so for just a little while this morning I want to take that what floats your boat and I want to preach this I want to preach godly reverence 
Because without godly reverence, I don't think we're ever going to get to the point where our mind is going to be renewed. If we skip godly reverence, if we skip that fear of God, I know a lot of people don't want to talk about fearing God. They just want to talk about the joy and peace and love and all of that. But if we don't have a reverence for God, we're never really going to understand and know Him today. So my scripture text, if you'd stand with me this morning, is from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. And the Bible says, By faith Noah, being warned of God, of being not, things not seen as yet, moved with fear. Noah moved with fear. He prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. And I want to preach Noah this morning, and I want to preach the reverence of God. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you for the worship. God, we thank you for the talent and the time and the treasure that has been sent in. Lord, God, we thank you for your presence. Your word says, where two or three are gathered, there you are in the midst, God. Lord, we thank you for all that, Lord. Now I pray that we would move everything aside, God, and just let your word, let your word go forth, God. Remove me out of the way, Lord, so that your word would have its liberty today. It's your word that changes. It's your word that activates. It's your word that revitalizes. It's your word that saves this morning, God, and I pray that your word would have its liberty in this house today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated today. Like I said in the beginning, the word reverence is not really used much anymore when it comes to the Lord. We have brought Jesus down to our level. We have made him our friend. I am the friend of God. My wife loves that song. If you ever want to sing a song, <laughs> we have brought him down to our buddy. Hey, Jesus, my buddy, we have brought him down to our pal. We have brought him down to a level, all of these which he is. Please don't misunderstand me. But I think for some and some of the generation coming, we have confused him with just a character. He's a friendly little character that when I need something, I can go running. And yes, we can, but there has to be a reverence. There has to be an understanding of all the authority and all the power that is in the palm of his hand that he spoke and the world was created. That's not my friend. My friend doesn't speak and worlds are created. That's the God of all eternity. That's the God of all creation. And if I get him confused and just relegate him to a friend, or a pal, I'm going to think it's okay just to treat him like a friend or a pal. And I might not want to answer when my friend or my pal calls because I might be too busy. Right. And when we remove the reverence of God in our lives, we stop answering at times. We stop listening at times right. because we look at him as just a peer on an even level. We have literally brought God down because at times it's so hard to bring ourselves up that we have brought him down yeah. so that he can be just like us. And he was never meant, even though he walked in the flesh, he was never meant to be treated just like us. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. Reverence for God is elevating Him far above more than mere praise. We came in today to lift Him up in praise, and He is deserving of that praise. But reverence is far more than just lifting Him up for 30 to 45 minutes or whatever a praise is. Reverence is walking around and understanding that He created all this, that He provides all that's in my pocket, all that's in my home, that He is the provision of all those things, and He's worthy of just more than 20 minutes a week on a Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon. We love to praise and we should, but reverence is more 
than that. It's, it's a second-by-second second understanding of His authority. And I think where we've got ourselves away from is we've dismissed His authority. We've dismissed the authority that Christ operates with because really at times we just want Him to be that genie in a bottle where I rub and He comes out and He solves my problem and then He goes back away and I've still got three wishes and I can use them as I choose. But that's not godly reverence. Godly reverence is an understanding when things are going on around you, you fall to your knees, not because you're helpless, but because He is the only one that can provide in that time. Godly reverence is waking up in the morning and everything's going fine and still finding yourselves on your knees going, I know you, Jesus, and I love you, Jesus, because you're neat, because you are deserved of all the praise. I bow before you this morning. I know there's some in here that love coffee. <laughs> There's some in here that really love coffee. But can I tell you this morning, godly reverence is worthy of your praise before your coffee. That's true. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. I'm not a coffee drinker, but I do like other things. Soda. I should clarify that. <laughs> Whoa, what kind of preacher is this? <laughs> and no matter what it is, we have to make sure godly reverence Always make sure that we find ourselves worshiping our God before we're worshiping anything else. And we as a church have got it confused. Can I just tell you? We've got it confused. We think we, think we can just come in and get a, get a little praise and we can go back on and we put God and we've given Him His deserved and that's wrong. Godly praise is like praying and not ceasing. That's the same thing. It's understanding who He is and where He fits at in our life. And if He doesn't fit on top, we better get real quick about making sure that He fits on top. Reverence, according to the dictionary, is a feeling or attitude of deep respect, tinged with awe. I have no idea what the word tinged means. But I love the end of it. Respect. Yes, we give that to God. But then it said tinged with with awe. When was the last time you awed God? Always. But some of us don't. Some of us wake up and if we get to Him in the day, well, we got to Him. It's more of a checklist. But could you imagine waking up tinged with awe? Okay, God, what do you got for me today? Okay, God, I'm tinged. I don't even know what the word means, but I like saying it. It's, it's, it's to, to me, and don't look it up because it might be totally wrong. It tinged with all might you're waiting in anticipation. Yeah. It's it's almost like you're the apostrophe on a on a sentence that you're just hanging there, just waiting for God to do something. Could you imagine if if we as godly children became waiting in anticipation of his all of the all? Could you imagine what would take place? We wouldn't get stuck in the mundane of our life. Because we would be waiting. Oh, what's God gonna do next? Oh, what's God gonna do next? You know what we relegate that to? A lot of times we relegate it to this moment. We wait to say, what's God going to do on Sunday? Why does God have to be relegated to a Sunday? Why does he have to be relegated to a service time? You know why? Because we've lost our godly reverence. Because we've lost our godly fear to walk in this world going, oh, what's he going to do? I'm in so much awe. I can't wait till Sunday. I need to see what he's going to do today. Yes, sir. I love that last part tinged with all, like I said, again, somebody's going to have to look it up and let me know because I could be way off, but my description is a whole lot better. <laughs> so that'll be the dictionary of Josh. I get this picture. Church, we need to be tinged in all. We need to be all in every day, no matter how good or bad we think that day is. We need to be in constant awe of God. Well, I don't know how to do that. How that starts is on our knees. 
and repentance and finding ourselves a godly reverence and an understanding who he is. And the only way that's going to take, the only way it's going to happen is if we take an attitude, a relation of deep respect. Yeah. It begins right now. An understanding that I need a deeper respect. I need a deeper understanding of God. I can't just get by with what I know. I've got to walk deeper in my walk with Him. If you don't have a walk with Him today, that's okay. Because you're in a perfect place to make the first step. Because that's all a walk is. It's just one step after another step after another step. And your first step in God might not be so deep, but you start in a place that your second step is going to move you into this, to this relationship of godly reverence. God told Noah he, he was tasked with building a boat, a big boat, in a time that it had never rained. You all know the story. The Bible says a dew and a mist came up from the ground and watered the earth. Rain had not been known like today, like it's probably going to rain this afternoon, but we're used to that in central Illinois. It'll move in, it'll move right back out. But God told Noah it was going to rain. And you know what Noah did? He believed him. God told Noah to build an ark. And you know what Noah did? He built an ark. I know. I'm looking at you and you're looking at me like, yeah, I get it. Well, why is it that when God talks to us, we do what my 12, 15-year-old son does. Why? Has God ever spoke to you? Yeah. He has. I'm, I'm almost 90%, 99.9% sure he has. Yeah. Maybe not in an audible voice, but through this word. Right. Through, through a preacher like myself. Through a ministering spirit that he sent into your life. Right. And you know what we did? Why? I don't. That doesn't make sense. But you know what Noah did? Noah said, yep, it's going to rain. Yep. I'm going to build a boat. How many times? How many times? Who, me or why? Or did we just ignore God altogether? Did we just write him off? I'm the one standing up here today. I don't have a microphone. I just got a loud voice. And I'll tell you, there's been times in my life where God spoke in my life. And this is what I did. Who, me? No, you got to be talking to that guy over there. Right. It's why I'm 43 and just now planting a church. Because through my life, God was talking, and all I was doing was going, no, nah, you got to be talking about that guy. He's way more qualified. you got to be talking about that person. They're a lot more anointed. you got to be talking about that person. They're a lot more talented. So don't look at me like it's never happened to you, because I know that it's happened to people in this room. And what I'm trying to say is, it's because we lack godly reverence. We lack an understanding that when God speaks, we move. Yes. Not when I speak. Please, my kids don't even move when I speak. I'm talking about when God speaks. And you know when God speaks. I can look at all of you in this room and know that you know when God speaks. And when God speaks, that desires us to move. And we have to get to the point where we stop asking the question, why or what or who? And when God speaks, we just have to move. We don't have the ability in this day or hour to be to be brought up training. We just have the ability to jump in and go, God, I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's forge forward, God, because that's what Noah did. Noah didn't have somebody by his side like like uh, in, in, later on in the Old Testament with Samuel and Eli. He didn't have somebody giving him that. All he had was the spoken word of God, right. and he listened. In this hour, God is talking to more than preachers. He's talking to more than people that stand behind this pulpit. He's talking to the world, and he's trying to get his attention. And he says, if you have godly reverence for me, I can do so many things in your life and through you. But not Noah. When God spoke, he listened. 
And not only did he listen, he responded with reverence and fear. And he did what God commanded him to do. He didn't even think twice. He just needed the instructions. It was part of the relationship Noah had with God. It's why it has to become vital in our relationship with God. Because if it's not, the next three steps don't even matter. Because if we don't have the godly reverence, all the rest of that stuff is going to crumble when, the, when things begin to get tough. It was a vital part of their relationship. It, it motivated Noah to respond when God spoke. Noah didn't even slow down when he relayed the message to the people around him. And they didn't believe him. This is again in my mind. You're getting a lot of pictures of my mind, so it's probably going to scare a lot of people today. But maybe this is how it went down between Noah and Jim. And I really wish Karen was here because that's the Jim I'm talking about. <laughs> Noah, what are you doing with all this wood and all these animals? Hey, Jim, God told me to build an ark because it's going to rain. What, what is rain, Noah? Right. Could you picture it with me? Please don't think it's just my crazy mind. Right. Can you picture it? I'm not sure, Jim, but God told me to build, so I'm building. Right. Could you imagine saying that to somebody? Hey, I started going to this church, and we were spirit-filled. And they said, what's spirit-filled? And you said, I don't know all of it, but I know that God's in it. And right. if God's in it, that's where I want to be. Right. Could you imagine if we took on that attitude instead, right. of this, instead of this little intimidation attitude where we're not tinged in awe, but we're tinged in uncertainty? Because when we know and have godly reverence and fear, there is no uncertainty. Because God has conquered it all. God has defeated it all. God has beat it all. And here Jim is going, why are you building this building? And all Noah is saying is because you, God told me to do it. And he said, it's going to save me and my family, Jim. Because that's what God told me to do. And, no, and then Jim replies, how silly, Noah. You get that? You get that when you talk to people? Noah never thought twice about the task. How often do we, do we have these God moments only to tell a friend or a family member and without intention by them, doubt is sown in. Are you sure you heard that right? Yeah. Are you sure that that's what was said? And doubt is sown in. And all the while God said, I didn't give it to you for you to doubt. I gave it to you for trust and follow. I didn't give it to you so that the crowd would approve of me. I gave it to you because I'm trying to pull you out of this world. Not Noah, who Peter called a preacher of righteousness in 2 Peter 2 and 5. And spare not the old world, but save Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. The wickedness of man caused God to resort to a flood. You know the story. All of his creation was going to be destroyed. It was Noah's God-fearing reverence. And godly righteousness that God that caused God to warn him and to give him an opportunity to escape. If you read the text, God was ready to destroy it all. And then he found a man and his family who feared God. It's okay to be the only one. It's okay to be the only one because being that only one is getting God's attention. And in being that only one in the whole entire world, God made a change. And he said, you know what? I'm going to save you and I'm going to save your family and I'm going to bring the animals in because I know there's a fear yes. in your life. God is coming again, church. Amen. Yes. Yes. It's a fact. 
Read the words of Jesus Christ. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I shall come again. It's not just preacher talk. The world is wrapping up quickly. And it's not for us to sit here and debate about it and say, well, I think it's going to be in 2027 or 2035 or whatever it's going to be. All I know is that it's coming. And every day I wake up, it's getting closer. And every day I go to sleep, it's getting closer. And I got to make sure that in my heart that I know that I know that I know because yes. just like in the ark once the doors are closed the doors are closed right. I don't want to be caught on the wrong side of the right. doors yeah. just oh. trying to find my way in right. I want to make sure that I'm in I want to make sure that I have a godly fear in my life you're yes. saying we're not supposed to have fear God didn't give us the spirit of fear right. but of a sound mind you know I'm not talking about that fear to be afraid I'm talking about that fear of a renewed mind yes. that says no matter what steps in front of me I'm not going to fear because I have a fear That's to right. reverence Amen. for the one who hung it all yes. and the one who is above it all I have a fear and a reverence for God a tinge of awe nothing else matters I'm not going to fear death you know why? Because I fear God who overcame death. That's right. I'm not going to fear pain because I fear God that the Bible says by his stripes I yes. am healed. I'm not going to fear financial troubles because God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. If I'm constantly worried about my bills, right. I'm not going to be able to know what God has ahead for me. I'm not going to fear the enemy because the enemy's already been defeated. Yes, sir. Yes. And when you look at the list, there is no other choice but godly reverence. Yes. God has already done all of it through this book. And what it is, it's a misunderstanding of our mind. We've been conformed to this world to say we need certain institutions. Otherwise, we can't get through. And God's saying, I've already done all that. All you need is one. And that's this word. And that's my word. And that's me. I'm not going to fear. The Bible records only 769 words spoken by God to Noah. During his 950 years. <clears throat> I've spoke more than that this morning. Mm -hmm. In this room. 769. And there was only 392 words spoken to Noah before the flood. And 377 words spoken to Noah after the flood. 392 words. 392 words. And we're sitting around going, God, can you tell me again? God, can you tell me again? Can you say it again? And here, the guy who built an ark. That is on display in Kentucky if you want to <laughs> The guy who built an ark to save creation and humanity was only given 392 words. We come to church Sunday after Sunday, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Bible studies, time and time again, and we hear the word of the Lord, and yet we go, what? Is that for me? And every time God is saying, listen, if you would have fear and reverence for me, I would just have to say things one time. And yeah. this whole world would be completely different. This whole world would be completely changed. I've had somebody tell me, well, it's because the eyes are blinded. No, when Christ went to Calvary, there were no more eyes blinded. The, the, the blinding of the eyes is our choice now. It's in Scripture. I'll get to it here in just a minute. God has opened up everything. He's opened our ears. He's opened our eyes. And He's trying to open our understanding. And the only way we're going to get there is by listening and having godly fear and reverence in our, in our lives. 392 words. The relationship was founded on that fear. The relationship was founded on that righteousness. The relationship was founded. Noah showed us 
that a life of faith and godly fear and reverence looks like he showed us. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to say, what does that look like? Because Noah showed us. I don't have a lot of points today. My point number one is when God talks, we need to respond. And the only way we're going to get there is having that reverence. The only way we're going to get there is having that fear of who he is. Solomon said this when he spoke about the fear of the Lord in Proverbs. Proverbs 9 and 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. The fear of the Lord brings wisdom. Do we want to know why we, how we want to know more about God? We need to have a greater reverence, a greater fear for Him in our lives, and that's going to bring more wisdom. Noah lived in a time that was more wicked than we can imagine. Noah lived in a day that we couldn't even possibly think of. We look around and we think things are pretty bad, but the Bible tells us in Noah's days that in Genesis 6 and 5, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of the hearts was only evil continually. It's not a political party. Can we just get off of it? Can we just take that out of church? It's not a political party that's wicked or one's righteous and one's wicked. It's not a political party. Can we stop the divide? Can we stop the divide in our churches? It's wickedness in high places. It's sin. It's sin. It's because people have turned from godly fear and reverence. And we have moved to the boat party that says, what floats my boat? I'm just going to do it. I don't know why I opened my shirt. What floats my boat? I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. If it feels good to me, I'm going to do it. And we're looking around and we want to blame this person or we want to blame that person. And all the time the word is saying, it's sin. It's S-I-N. It's a movement from me towards the world. It's why we have to have it. We can't be conformed, but we have to be transformed. And the only way to be transformed is allow the Spirit of God to move upon our lives. It's allow the Spirit to move in our lives. Our issue has always and will always be sin. It's the imagination and the thoughts of the hearts that move them to be evil continually. The only way to get rid of sin is repent and to walk with God. And the only way to keep walking with God is to have a reverence for Him unlike anything else in our life. Not a reverence of fear that He's going to shoot a thunderbolt down on you, but a reverence of fear that brings love and understanding and respect in our lives. In Noah's time, he and his family were the only ones who feared God. It's why we must make sure we have a relationship of reverence, if not for us, also for our families. Our opening scripture in Hebrews 11, 7 says this, But faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, the rain moved with fear, prepared an ark to save all of of his house, which was condemned of the world and become heirs of righteousness, which is by faith. The ark condemned the world, not Noah's preaching. Noah wasn't going around and telling people you're going to die in hell. It was the ark. It was the formation of the ark that that condemned the people. Because when the ark was made, then the water was time to come. It was already set in motion. Noah was a righteous preacher, not condemnation. It's the same with Jesus Christ. Christ didn't come to condemn the world, the Bible says. He came to preach righteousness. Because righteousness has to be a part of us. But without godly fear, we'll never seek righteousness. We'll never seek what God came to give us. Those who did not believe were already condemned. That's what I talked about earlier in John 3, 17-18. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. 
He that believeth on him is not condemned. He that believeth is not condemned. God has already made a way. If we believe, we're not condemned. The Bible says, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Sin. Sin has us conformed to this world. And the scripture goes on to say, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. We know that name. That name is Jesus. It's why we celebrate. It's why we praise. It's because in that name there is no condemnation, but there's righteousness and joy and peace and love. And God has given us all that, but it starts with the base of repentance and begin to build up in godly fear and reverence to understand who he is and what he's done. The people who didn't get on the ark were lost because they would not repent of their sin. It's a, it's a big point. I remember when I got into church and I heard about this repentance thing. And I wasn't understanding of why I just couldn't do it in my seat. Why was there this altar space where I had to find my way to repent? And I started reading in Noah a little bit. And the first thing he did when he came off this boat was build an altar. He walked off the boat. He didn't build an altar on the boat. He walked off the boat. He made some steps for the dry land that God has prepared. And I got to thinking that it's not really about the altar space, but it's about the stepping out and the building of the altar. It's about the understanding that there isn't anybody in this room that I need to worry about thinking anything about me but the Almighty. It's not about peer pressure. It's not about any of that. It's about my relationship with the Almighty. And I have so much godly fear and reverence that I could leave this building right now and fall over dead. But I have so much godly fear and reverence that I don't want to take a moment out of my life to miss an opportunity to grow in my relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Jesus warned of this mentality for the New Testament church in Matthew 24, 37 through 39. But as of the days of Noah were, so shall also be the coming of man. For as in the days that were before the flood, there was eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also be the coming of man. Jesus said there were times that they were eating and drinking and marrying and having marriages. And there was a lack of knowledge. And the lack of knowledge will not be a lack of education, but a lack of ignorance of the things of God. I could take you back to Solomon's scripture in Proverbs. The fear of the Lord brings wisdom. Wisdom is an understanding, not just a book smart, but a word smart. An understanding in the scripture. There's going to be an ignorance in these last days because people are walking away from this book. And there's going to be no understanding of what God is going to do. Godly fear and reverence will be gone. People will only be focused on pleasure. Hello, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Hello, we're in the middle of it. Hello, we need to open our eyes and understand it's not a scare tactic. I'm not trying to get you afraid. I'm trying to get us to run to Jesus. I'm trying to get our fear and our reverence to be found in the Lord. A casual attitude towards life itself is pretty much what I see. You know why it's casual? Because we don't even have effects for our own lives. We just end our own lives in moments. Because we have just a casual affair with this vessel. That's not what God had called for us to be. That's what God had not called for us to do. Much like a tree that decays inward and eventually falls. When our relationship with God is not built at the core with a godly fear and reverence, we can quickly find ourselves hollow and void. And full of sin. Stand with me today.
I'm an excited preacher. I get excited for where God is taking us. Not, not here. Literally, when I talked about tinged with awe, I'm tinged with awe because I know what God is not just doing here, but what God is doing here. Right. I, 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 am an, I know you look and see empty seats. I look and see opportunities right, of is. awe for what yes. God is going to do in yes. this family. In this family, in this family, in this family, I see all of what God is going to do. I'm not worried about the moment. What I'm worried about is making sure that I'm able to get to the moment where God is going to want to do what he's going to want to do. And that starts with the fear and the reverence of understanding who he is. Seven times Solomon spoke about fear and reverence for the Lord and what it brought about. It brought about knowledge. It brought about hatred of evil. It brought about wisdom. It prolonged days. It prolonged days again. It brought wisdom again. And it brought life again. Seven times the scripture Solomon was talking about this fear. And I'm afraid that we've moved so far away from the fear and reverence that we just put God in that buddy category where he doesn't belong. And Noah showed us that godly fear and reverence motivates the first thing God Noah did when he left the ark, like I said, was built an altar. It's why our altar space is so important. We're pretty cramped here, but we do have an altar space that we've set up. The altar is the significance of a new life. A new life founded by not being conformed to the world, but being transformed, like I said, by the renewing of our minds to the things of God. It's allowing ourselves to humble ourselves before God's feet. And saying, God, I've not always done everything right, but I'm here at this moment to walk towards you and put you at the top where you belong in awe for God. And all so big that nothing else compares to it. Matthew 6, 33 says this, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. How about it today, church? How about it? Is there anybody that's ready to step out and say, God, forgive me. I haven't always put you on the top where you belong. But God, I'm here right now before your throne, before you, God. And I'm coming, God, to build this altar. God, not just for today's message, but for tomorrow's and the next days and the days after and the weeks and the years to come that I can go back to God and I can see this reverence that I've allowed to be placed in my life for you. Church, we've made it this far. We've made it this far today in this service. Don't let us leave without taking a step in our relationship with God. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the church. We hope you feel encouraged by the words you have heard today and would love the opportunity to get to meet you in person if you ever find yourself in Normal, Illinois. For more information on what's happening and to discover ways to connect, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and never miss a service. Also, follow us on social media. Find us on Instagram by searching thechurch.normalil or on Facebook by searching The Church. Direct links can be found in the show notes. Thank you.